This is week number eight, our final week uh, in our relationship series entitled Love Hurts. I'm going to do a little quick review of these past seven weeks. Week number one, we looked at the deal breakers in relationships, red flags. People, God's word says, better be careful. Uh, you, you better back away or you hang with these folks. You're going to get hurt, going to get harmed. Week number two, we found that to find the right person, you have to become the right person. Because becoming the right person is far more important than finding the right person. Week number three, we looked at happy. Everybody wants to be happy in their relationships. The problem with happy, it's temporary, it's fleeting, it's short-term, it doesn't last. Happy's in the moment. When everything's going my way, I'm happy. But contentment should be our goal in relationships. Contentment in relationships is lasting and it's powerful. Week number four, we looked at the biblical process for resolving conflict in relationships. That's found in Matthew chapter 18. First, go privately to the one you have a conflict with. Secondly, take a witness and seek to resolve the conflict. Third, if that doesn't work, finally bring the matter to the church and the church elders. Week number five, Pastor Brant shared, when I need to get it my way, I get in God's way. He was talking about uh, the verse that says, be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Week number six, we looked at the dirty little secret in relationships, uh, and this is it. Our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts are oftentimes liars. They really are. Feelings are like toddlers. Train them or they'll train you. Last Sunday, week number seven, we found that in every relationship, there's hurt and harm and injury and offense that takes place. Growing, flourishing, thriving, long-term relationships are not possible without forgiveness. They're just not. Relationships that are strong and lasting require frequent episodes of forgiveness. A relationship can't live if we don't forgive. Today, week number eight, we're going to see that whenever we find ourselves in a lousy relationship, whenever we find ourselves in a lousy situation, Jesus doesn't need to be more present. We need to be more aware of the presence of Jesus. That's the key. Locate with me on your phones and your Bibles, Gospel of Luke chapter 13, where a woman with a lousy situation becomes very aware of the presence of Jesus. Would you stand with me if you're able, please? Luke chapter 13, we're going to read verses 10 to 17. Luke chapter 13, this is God's Word. Read with me. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, He saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years, 
and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the awesome things that you recorded for us to learn and grow from in your book. And thank you for this uh, real-life episode that actually happened here on planet Earth. Would you meet us today as we study your word together? We need your help to know exactly what your inspired book has to say to us today, your kids. Lord, we want to learn how we can thrive even in situations and relationships that are hard and and lousy. We invite you, Lord, come today. Take charge today in our lives, in your church, we ask, and all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. I think we can all agree this woman we just read about, this unnamed woman, Luke chapter 13, uh, physically at least, she lived a lousy life. Physically, her circumstances were awful. She was literally bent in half, looking at the ground everywhere she went. Uh, I, I can imagine her back and her neck had to be in awful shape. She had to be in great pain. And in biblical times, when you saw someone who was crippled, they thought someone sinned. Either this person is in sin or the parents have sinned, but somebody sinned, that's why she's in this situation, and she would be shunned and ignored. Stay away from her, somebody sinned in this situation. Luke chapter 13 finds Jesus in the synagogue. That, that was the New Testament church, if you will, and this day was the Sabbath, Saturday, the Jewish day of worship. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He does it in Luke 4.16, Luke 4.31, Luke 6.6, Luke 14.4, and here in Luke chapter 13 as well. Here's what's interesting. Four times in Luke, Jesus on the Sabbath heals people. Four times. 
again and again and again and again. Now here in verses 10 to 17, Luke 13, Jesus is about to do something amazing. He sees this woman, she's not named, other than she's a Jew, she's a daughter of Abraham, and note this, even though she had every reason not to show up in church, guess where she is when it's time to worship the Lord? She, she overcomes her excuses. If anybody had a reason not to be present in the synagogue on this day, it was this woman. Okay, Bent double, she can't straighten up. The text tells us this woman was crippled not by sin, but by an evil spirit, okay? One of Satan's demons. For 18 years, this woman was unable to stand. She pathetically pictures the crippling effect that evil, that evil spirits can have on us. She's been living, I would say, a lousy life, likely shunned, likely ignored, but she still shows up to worship in her condition. I love that about her. She was there. She was going to worship Jehovah God. Her infirmity was not a cramp, okay? Not a pulled muscle. She didn't just have a spasm. Look what the text says. For 18 years, she's dealt with this painful, humiliating condition. She's been living a lousy life, physically at least, for 18 years, okay? Satanic bondage was the reason behind her crippling ailment. And now, here's, here's the good part, you ready? God with skin on locks on to this woman and her situation, okay? God with skin on, Jesus is going to go one-on-one -on -one with the source of her ailment, okay? The source is an evil spirit, and now Jesus is going to go one-on-one -on -one with the evil empire of Satan. Verse 12, here's what it says. Put that up here on the screen. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Okay. Now, now, let's just picture this, okay, in our minds. On the Sabbath, this woman's going to slowly shuffle to her place. She can't move very fast. Nobody likely is looking at her. They're ignoring her except for Jesus. And now Jesus calls on the woman, and, and I think everybody's thinking right now, what's Jesus doing, talking, and having... Uh, a conversation with bent over Betty. Nobody talks to her. Uh, somebody sinned there. Doesn't Jesus know? You're not supposed to bother with her. There's sin there somewhere. I think she could maybe see the sandals of Jesus as he approaches her. And he says, look, look at the text. Dear woman, dear woman, a term of endearment. I, I love you. I care about you. And then he says, you are, I want you to understand, in the Greek, that's permanently Greek perfect tense. For the rest of your days, you are healed of your sickness. In other words, 
catch this, your lousy life is over. Okay? All that you've endured, all of the pain, all of the ugliness is over. And then Jesus touches her and she straightens up to full height. Isn't that wonderful? For the first time in 18 years, graceful, erect, healed, set free. And notice with me her response. I love it. She praised God. How this woman praises God. Praises God. Praises Jesus. God with skin on. Thanksgiving erupts from this woman's mouth. Her hands, her eyes, her upright body praising Jesus. Aware and thankful of the presence of Jesus. She realized his healing touch completely and totally has changed her life. Okay? She's no longer an outcast. She's no longer a reject. Uh, she's no longer in pain. Now she's able to walk out of that synagogue with her head held high. But the synagogue leader, not so much. Did you notice? Let's go back to the text. He's not a happy camper. He's so focused on the rules and the regulations and the laws, he doesn't care a lick about this woman who's been chained in bondage. He doesn't care about the lousy life she lived. Verse 13, read with me. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days if you want to get healed, not on the Sabbath. Sadly, not everybody accepts the kingdom of Christ. Not everybody's happy with the work of King Jesus. This, I love this title that, that uh, Kent Hughes says, Ecclesiastical Slab of Granite. Uh, has no heart. He could care less about her bent over life. He had no eye for the beauty of Christ's healing. He had no ear for her praise for Jesus' work. Here's what Pastor Kent Hughes says in his commentary. He was a chicken-hearted religious snob. That's kind of fun to say. He was a chicken-hearted religious snob. All he cared about was the rule of law. He saw himself as a protector of the Old Testament. So he aims, catch this, his words not at Jesus, he's trying to persuade the crowd. He's trying to get them to agree with his perspective. If Jesus wanted to heal, there are six other days to heal. Okay, No room for grace, no room for loving his neighbor as himself. This cold-hearted religious leader is about to get iced by Jesus. Let's watch as Jesus ices this cold-hearted religious leader. Verse 15, but the Lord replied, you hypocrites. Okay, so apparently the religious leader had some company. Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and Lead it out for water. 
This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released? Even on the Sabbath, (laughs) this shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at all the wonderful things he did. Jesus shames the synagogue leader and the folks who uh, were following his hypocrisy. Now listen with me. They would untie and unchain their animals on the Sabbath. Okay, They, they would take care of their ox and their donkey, but they're saying, but Jesus, you can't take care of this woman and her needs. Okay, Missing the idea that humans are far more important. They've got souls made in God's image than the animals. So they're willing to help an animal, but not willing to help a woman in distress for 18 years. Okay? What work had Jesus done? Okay? He was accusing Jesus of working on the Sabbath. It says that he reached out and touched her. That was his work. He touched her. Not nearly as much work as they did on untying their oxen and their donkeys and taking them out for walk. They did far more work than he has just done by touching this woman. Jesus sees this as an act of freeing. Okay? I'm not working. I'm freeing this woman from satanic bondage. These hypocrites couldn't see past their rules and their regulations to show love. Let me say it again. They couldn't see past their rules and their regulations to show love. She's bent over. She's in a humiliating position for years. And now Jesus graciously restores her, catch this, to a fully upright member of the community. Now she's, she's back and she's no longer bent over, okay? And it says the people in the synagogue rejoiced. <laughs> They're excited for Betty, okay? She's no longer bent over. Now she can stand up. And now this ruler who attempted to shame Jesus, now he's the one who's been shamed. And the crowds rejoice with Jesus and they shun and, and they shame the synagogue ruler who was all against Betty being healed. Okay? Here, here's the point. Give me your eyes. When it comes to Jesus, we've got to choose. We've got to choose. We're going to choose the side of laws and rules and regulations? Or are you going to choose the side of Jesus and grace and stepping into a lousy situation with the love of Christ? Now, here's what I know. Many of us have endured lots of evil by this fallen world. Lots of us here today, uh, in this thing called life, there's lots of evil. And some of us, we come to church today, and we're bent over and shunned and ignored and in pain by things that have gone on in our lives. We've been hurt, some of us, so bad Some of you can't even straighten up in some area of your life. Someone has injured and wounded and harmed you so deeply 
broken your spirit, busted your wings. Give me your eyes. But here's what you need to know. But it wasn't Jesus who did that to you. Please know that, okay? Jesus was not the one responsible for this woman's lousy condition. Jesus wasn't the one who caused her pain and and to feel ignored and shunned everywhere she went. Okay? And here's what you need to know. Jesus isn't responsible for your situation either. Here's what James 1, verse 13. Let's put that up there on, on the screen. Okay, here's what James 1 and verse 13 reminds us. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Okay? God's not the one behind it. If you've got some evil uh, hurt and pain, it says pretty clear, Jesus is not the one behind it. But for some reason, uh, every time something lousy happens, why is it we shake our fists at God? It's true, okay? When, when bad things happen, God usually gets the blame, and Satan and his demon, demons are over there snickering in the corner, saying, well, we got away with another one, okay? Uh, we caused some more chaos, more trouble, more pain, and, and God got the blame. Jesus is the one who's being blamed again. Okay, Much, if not most, of the bad stuff that happens in our life is ultimately not other people either. Where do you get that? We're going to put on the screen Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Okay, It's never from Jesus, but here's what Ephesians 6.12 reminds us, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against people, flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Love hurts. Relationships hurt Because we're in a life and death battle with an enemy and his name is Satan and he's got a demonic army and they hate us and they want to discourage us and they want to destroy us and they hated this woman here, Luke chapter 13, and crippled her for 18 years. And I believe they wanted to keep her crippled and in this condition for the rest of her life. And I think they want to do the same thing to you and me. I think Satan wants to do everything he can to discourage and destroy us and to keep us in bondage for the rest of our lives, unable to stand, unable to walk with Christ, unable to make a difference for Jesus and his kingdom. Let's go back over the key facts. Go back to Luke 13 with me quickly. Okay? just want to show you. True story, biblical story, historical story. Jesus seeks this woman out of a crowd. Do you see that? He sees a crowd, but he zeroes in and he cares about this woman. Dear woman, he says. He has a heart for her situation. Second, Jesus says, I care 
and I'm ready and willing to do something about what's going on in your life, about this crippling situation. And thirdly, Jesus knows this woman needs his touch. He knows this woman is in great need of someone to be willing to act on her behalf. Okay? So here's my question. Do you know that you're just as important to Jesus as this woman here in Luke chapter 13? Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus cares just as much for your situation as he does for this bent-over woman here in Luke chapter 13? Do you know that? Do you believe that for you? That's huge. Because he does. He knows exactly where you and I are bent and broken. He knows the places where we can't straighten up. He knows how much we've been hurt and wounded and harmed. The problem, give me your eyes, the problem isn't that we need Jesus to be more present. Here's here's the solution, you ready? The answer is we need to be more aware of his presence. That's the answer. John 15 and verse 9, here's what Jesus says. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me, Remain in my love. Remain. Keep walking, abiding with me. We don't need more of Jesus. If you're a G, you got all of Jesus you're ever going to get, okay? We need to be more aware that Jesus is right here with us, our good shepherd, never leaving our side. Let me say it this way. Put it up here on the screen. The closer we stay to Christ... The more we are aware of Jesus' presence, the healthier we become. The more you're aware of Jesus with you on a daily basis, the more you abide and stick close to Jesus, the healthier physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually we become when every day we're aware that Jesus is right here with us. And please know this, Satan knows the power of us walking with Christ. Don't you think Satan is aware of how powerful it is when Jesus' followers are daily abiding and walking and allowing the Spirit of Christ to work? They know that, and they're going to do everything they can to prevent us from daily aware of Christ, allowing Christ to to work in and through. There's awesome power when we walk daily with Christ. Awesome. Want to say it with me? Awesome. It is, I'm telling you. Which is why Satan works so hard to distract us. Satan wants to keep us busy and distracted, discouraged and bent over, preoccupied with our lousy situations so much that we lose sight that Jesus is right here. His presence has never left us. Get us so filled with anger and frustration and bitterness and unforgiveness that our soul is just too preoccupied to be aware that Jesus and His presence are right here with us. I close with this idea. Put a picture of Gracie the cat. This is Denise's cat. 
I know technically she's my cat. Trust me, she's Denise's cat. Denise and granddaughter Emma went looking for a kitten, okay? Um, and they spent hours sitting at multiple humane societies with dozens of cats. And they just didn't do it once. They wanted to go back and say, well, did you just have a good day? Are you really that kind of cat that we're after? So they did a great job. They found the right cat. This is Gracie the cat, Denise's cat. Um, I can tell you this, she is Bible study cat. Whenever Denise studies, Grace is on her lap. She is TV cat. Whenever Denise is watching television, Hallmark Channel, there, Grace is watching Hallmark. She is cleaning cat. Whenever Denise is cleaning, Grace follows her everywhere, except she's not so much vacuum cat. She doesn't like the vacuum. She's sleeping cat. If Denise is laying down, right next to her is, is Grace. As long as Grace knows Denise is nearby, she's good. She's good. And whenever we leave, whenever Denise leaves, she's upset. And if we're gone too long, I promise you, Grace pouts. She does. When we were on vacation this last January, we were gone for a few weeks uh, Grace went on a hunger strike. That's how much she missed Denise. She refused to eat. She was so upset that Denise was gone. We almost had to take her to the vet. And the only thing that had changed, Denise, her, her human, was gone. Denise's presence is what makes Gracie happy. Denise's absence causes Gracie distress. Now, here's the point. Jesus wants to rescue us from darkness and destruction and fear and despair. He wants to rescue us from a lousy life. Okay, Here's what you need to know. Jesus is always nearby. He never leaves our presence. We need to become aware of his presence. Okay, We don't we don't need him to be more present with us. We just need to know, no, no, he's always here. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Jesus is inviting us to begin to live like Gracie the cat. Do you understand? Okay? Daily, continually abiding and inviting Jesus to come and be a part of our lives. And, and he says, that's what I want to do for you. I, I want to be right there with you. Remain in me, and I'm the answer to your lousy life, to your lousy situations, okay? When we are remaining and abiding and aware of Jesus' presence, the healthier we become. The healthier in every way, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically, I'm telling you, when you know Jesus is right there and you're aware and you're inviting him into every area of your life, the healthier we become. The problem isn't that Jesus needs to be more present. Here's the answer. You ready? We need to be more aware of his presence. He's right there. He's never going to leave you. Bow your heads as we close. Lord, help us to become more aware and alert to your presence. 
calm our hearts and our minds from all of the distractions. We are so distracted. (laughs) And I think Satan loves that, Lord. He wants us to live distracted lives and not remember that you're right here with us. Would you help us to learn to abide and walk and cry out to you? Lord, that, that is the secret. Your son Jesus and walking with him and abiding with us and allowing him to work through us is the answer to lousy circumstances and lousy relationships. And as we close, I just need to say, but you can't abide and remain with Jesus till you know him personally. Jesus wants to be your good shepherd, but he needs to be invited and welcomed in. So as we close, if you're here in person, if you're watching online, here's the question. Have you invited Jesus into your life by faith? Have you said, Jesus, I do. I'm I'm ready. It's for keeps by faith. Jesus, I believe the gospel facts. You are the sinless Lamb of God. You alone qualify to take my place on the cross. Your shed blood takes care of my sin, past, present, future. And early Sunday morning, Jesus, I believe you didn't stay dead, but you arose from the dead for me. And Jesus, I believe right now you're alive and knocking and waiting to be invited into my life. Will you today receive him? Open the door of your life. Welcome him in. Will you say, Jesus, I open the door. Come on in. Be my Savior, my King, my Lord, my boss, my forever friend. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. We love you. It's in Jesus' awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen.